The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to a very refreshing hour of business talk. This is Internet of Things with Game Changers, presented by SAP. The best-run businesses run SAP. You'll hear from the innovators who know how to use game-changing technologies and business strategies to shake up the status quo in your company's future with totally new sources of information that will change the way you run your business. Now, here's your host and moderator, Bonnie D. Graham. Welcome, 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 and if you want to run with the Game Changers, I promise you're in the right place today. Wow, what a show, what a panel we have. The buzz today, how's things? I think you have to be a certain age to appreciate how's things. Just let me go with that. Now let's get started with the proliferation of the Apple Watch. We're starting to see some of the promise of the Internet of Things making its way into the enterprise, but... If the hype hasn't matched your expectations, you're sitting out there somewhere in the world listening to us, you're in a company, big, small, medium, large, new, old, and you're saying, Internet of Things, I think it's coming down the pike. Oh, it's already here. But really, they're talking about it and talking about it. What does it mean for me? Well, if the hype, and there's so much of it, hasn't matched your expectations, it may be time to rethink the place of things. And that's going to be our key buzzword for the entire hour, things and devices. But how do you go about doing this? Well, number one, what questions should we be asking ourselves about which things make sense in the enterprise? We're talking to you, your company. What do you need? What do you want? What's going to help you grow and be profitable? Another question, without a plethora, oh, I love that word, plethora of things, are truly contextual experiences possible? Loaded question. We'll talk to our panelists about that. Number three, another question, how can we make our things work better so they do meet our expectations? Well, we just keep on going. And at the end of the day, do you know what this is all causing? It could give you a headache, a thing-caused headache, fatigue, frustration, and we certainly don't want that. So it's time for me to introduce our panel of experts, and they can help us unravel all these questions and come up with some real practical, down-to-earth answers, I hope. First up on the panel, by the way, they've all been on Game Changers Radio at least a couple of times before, so this is almost like a reunion. Benjamin Robbins, principal and co-founder of Palador. And Benjamin has sent me a quote from George Eliot. Those of you wondering who was George Eliot, according to my research, George Eliot was really Marianne Evans, born 1819, lived to 1880, known by her pen name, George Eliot. She was an English novelist, journalist, translator, and one of the leading writers of the Victorian era. Now, interesting that the quote is so applicable today, and here it is. Great things are not done by impulse but by a series of small things brought together. I love the quote. Benjamin, how are you? I'm great, thanks. Thanks for joining me. Nice to have you. It's great to be back, and and I think you put this topic together for us with Ira Burke, so thank you very much. Talk to me. How did you get a quote from George Eliot on the show about IoT? Well, really what I was looking for is, you know, uh, something that could really kind of capture in a a quick way, convey, you know, some of the, uh, you know, kind of how I'm approaching thinking about the Internet of Things and how I think that in the end a lot of people are going to approach it is that 
it's not like just one thing that is just some magic, um, you know, snap your fingers, get this thing, and everything's great. But there really is going to be a series of small little wins, a series of small little devices, a little, a little gain here, a little gain there. Hey, I can take this, and I can put that together with this, and I can put that together with another thing, and, and really come out with something great. But that you really have got to start thinking it, 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 it as a as a series of small things rather than than one big win, and I, I think that's when uh, where IoT will begin to shine. And not until we get to that point will it shine. I think it'll it'll be a lot of headache until then. So, do you think the hype is being lived up to? Do you think that there's an impatience where people are saying, IoT, great, show me the money. Where is it? Why is why need this? What's this going to do for me? Are they impatient and impulsive, if you will, and it will take time to ramp up and develop? What's your, what's your message here, Benjamin? Well, I think, you know, um, I think some of it is just kind of more historically how it's played out. I think we had we had such a huge impact with mobile devices um, in the enterprise that it really was, in and of itself, mobility brought some really great changes as, as a, as, and even that wasn't standalone, right? You had cloud and you had lots of other things that helped play into it, but, you know, you could look at it and say, yes, look at this wonderful thing and what it did for my enterprise and how much things have changed. And so then we start to move on to, well, what's the next thing that comes after, you know, mobile devices? And, and everyone's kind of looking for that, that thing, and, it, it's not, and it's not going to play out that way. Just because you add, you know, connectivity to an HVAC system doesn't necessarily mean it's going to bring as great a change as mobility brought, right? Just because you add connectivity to a vending machine doesn't mean it's going to bring about as much, uh, you know, um, change as mobility brought. But when you start tying lots of those things together with other information like weather and, you know, time of day and number of people walking by, that's when you can see some really cool things. But, you know, looking for the same type of expectations that we saw with mobility to all of a sudden happen with with things, I just don't think it's going to be there. Well, you know we want it now. We know that. We want it now. (laughs) That too. Absolutely. Thank you, Benjamin. Great to have you back on the show. And another returning guest from one of our Game Changers shows, it's Maribel Lopez, founder of Lopez Research and author of the Wiley book, Right Time Experiences. And here's an original Maribel Lopez quote. Wait for it. Here we go. Connected doesn't mean smart. Businesses still have to put thought into what type of experience a connected device should provide before they buy hardware that could be meaningless. I think this is the genesis of doing it wrong and getting that thing caused headache number 99. Maribel Lopez, welcome. How are you? I'm great, and I'm just sad that I couldn't get, you know, a George Eliot quote in there, but hey, um, <laughs> that's how I thought about the, the Internet of Things. So for me, you know, what's what's interesting about the Internet of Things is if you talk to 10 different companies, you'll get 10 different answers of what the Internet of Things is. And the only thing that seems to be consistent in them is this concept of being connected. So, um, but connected doesn't make it smart, which gets back to what Benjamin spoke about. Okay, you've got a sensor, you've connected it, it's telling you the temperature, not really that smart. Um, so that that's that's probably a real issue. So also, I, I want to pick up on something else Benjamin said. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we were talking about mobile phones, and I think the mobile phone issue is really interesting because mobile phones were important in the 90s, and they didn't start revolutionizing business until, you know, the 2010s. So a long time before we got from the hype to the reality. 
Do you think we are spoiled, Maribel, that we want it now, as I mentioned to Benjamin, because we don't remember how long it took for mobile devices to revolutionize business and social, that we just look back in hindsight, which is just deliriously wonderful sometimes. You look back and say, well, how did we ever live without our mobile devices? How did our companies ever communicate without this level of connectivity always on, always everywhere? And we're spoiled and we say, well, IoT is here. Snap your fingers. It should be able to be something meaningful and growth producing for my company in the next 24 hours or 24 months. Do you think there's that uh, that forgetting how long it took aspect? Well, we have employees and we have customers that um, never saw a day without the Internet and never saw a day yes. without mobile phones. Right. So, yes, I do think we're impatient. Yep. We want it now. Thank you, Maribel. Delighted to have you back on the show. Thanks for joining us and looking forward to your part in our great discussion and bringing on our third panelist, also no stranger to Game Changers. It's Brian Katz, Director of Mobile Strategy for EUC in the office of the CTO for VMware. And Brian has a very, very long title now. And here's the quote. Uh, This quote is typically attributed to Albert Einstein, but academic thought and research has shown that it probably isn't. Let me read the quote. The computer is incredibly fast, accurate, and stupid. Man is unbelievably slow, inaccurate, and brilliant. The marriage of the two is a force beyond calculation. And the correct attribution now seems to be Leo Chern, who was an American economist, public servant, commentator, who graduated from New York Law School in 1935, and who really cares. Brian Katz, how are you? (laughs) I'm doing well, Bonnie. How are you? I'm fine. Give me a quote that doesn't make sense for the attribution. You know, I'm just going to dig and dig and dig until. But it was interesting. Brian, great quote. So do you agree the computers are fast, accurate, and stupid, and we're slow, inaccurate, and brilliant, and it's a great marriage? What's your take? Well, you know, you think about it. Essentially, we're the ones who have to program the computers in the first place. So when they start out, they know nothing. Think of it as a baby that comes out. It sits there. You feed it. You diaper it. But as it grows, you have to teach it. And that's what programming is. And when we start looking at how we program a computer and all, you know, there are bugs, there are software bugs, and where do they come from? We made a mistake. And so they're only as smart as we make them, and yet we have people talking about neural networks and everything else, and let's make them as smart as we are. People are worrying about AI. And, you know, it's still going to take a long time to get there. Okay, and what do you think about the hype? Do you think that we are impatient? We're the want-it-now generation. We have no ability to say it does take a long time, and we're just so excited about IoT that we we have overestimated what we can do with it right now. What's your thought? I think that when people start looking at wearables, which are a small piece of IoT, yeah, Mm -hmm. you know, there's a lot of hype there. But then you look at companies like GE and Boeing who have been using IoT for many, many years, and have been using it successfully. But I think if we, you know, listen to something that Maribel just said, which is there are people who've just grown up with, um, they've always had the Internet. You know, they've always had smartphones. You know, both my daughters, they got smartphones a few years ago. They don't know any different. And so, you know, moving to a smartwatch, having things tell you, you know, when the subway's coming or anything else, it's easier for them to say, well, I expect this to change in the next 6, 12 months. They don't understand that it took us, you know, 20 years to go from a Commodore 64 to Mm -hmm. everybody having a PC. 
Very, very true. Do you think it's the influx of these digital natives that is causing some of this thing-related stress? I can ask that to the whole panel. Is it the millennials and their ilk, if I could use that old-fashioned word, who are, who are uh, coming into the workforce and they're saying, well, we know it can happen now and things should be able to be happening. This plethora of things, they're just going to make life even more wonderful and they're here and we want them right now. What, what do you think, Brian? I, I think it's interesting because I think digital natives and millennials are not the same thing. You know, we like to say millennials are bringing everything, and there are some millennials who are resistant to change, who aren't digital natives. They, they're aware of it; they can use it, but it's not their first. You know, their first thing. I, you know, Ray Wang has talked about you know his um, five different types of people, with digital natives being the ones who, yes, many times they are millennials, but there are people our age, and I won't say how old we all are, but um, who we <laughs> want no to. I mean, <laughs> yes, Ben thank you for on, that. Ben looked on a smartphone for a year. And mm-hmm. so, you know, anybody can do it. It's a matter of making the commitment to being the digital native. Very, yeah, I think very it's well mindset put. and expectations more than yeah. age. I think so, too. But let me ask, the, the before we get to what's in your cup today with first Benjamin, then Maribel, and then Brian, uh, question is, I mentioned in the intro, by the end of the day, how can we avoid thing-caused fatigue Headaches, I call it headache number, I think, 199. You remember the old Excedrin commercials, but Maribel, that does age me, doesn't it? And frustration. So <laughs> is thing caused fatigue already here, or is it something that we're not even I'm, – I'm predicting something that hasn't even happened. Is that a fact of life yet, uh, Benjamin? Well, I think, it, I think it depends on who you talk to and who you read. You know, definitely in the, in the, in the press, um, I think it's pretty easy to get, um, you know, thing fatigue because they, they have to listen to listen and to see so much, and there's a lot of hype. Um, but I think for enterprises who, you know, you know, kind of the, um, uh, your IT staff who doesn't spend as much time in the media and, you know, just kind of is more worried about making things run and operate and run smoothly, you know, they're, they're, they're still trying to figure out just how to cross the street, right? I mean, we still have people trying to figure out how to deploy mobility um, uh, effectively in the enterprise, right? So I think there's a whole range of, of um, people on, on the fatigue scale. I would say. Mm, Maribel, your thoughts on fatigue? I'm with Benjamin on this one. I think if you're in the industry, you've been hearing so much about it for years, you're almost desensitized to it, and it's really hype and buzzword bingo. But I think if you're an actual practitioner, your head's down and you're trying to deal with um, a mobile transition, a cloud computing transition, a big data transition, and now you're going to have things, and you haven't even gotten to the things part yet. So that'll be a forthcoming tidal wave of new and interesting challenges and opportunities for the enterprise. But on the consumer landscape, I think we've been talking about it for a while, but consumers don't necessarily buy that quickly, so even they haven't been overrun by the things concept yet. So it's coming for everybody. Coming for everybody. And Brian Katz, thoughts on the headache, the frustration, the fatigue? Well, I, I think, as Maribel said, there are two approaches to it. If you start with the consumer, um, a lot of articles are starting to appear about the fatigue in smart homes and you know, at making your home smart and how we expected all this stuff to work together by now. There are multiple standards, and people are getting tired, and they're, you know, they haven't found stuff that works well or is easy to set up, and so that makes it tough. And then you get into you know, business, and people who haven't been using it for a while are just dipping their toe in, and they're not using it to remake processes. They're using it to, you know, really fit into a current process. And part of 
any time you add technology, you really need to remake the process. And until you do that, you don't actually see gains. And so, you know, that, that's a piece of it that it can become very tired. Oh, okay, I've done that. I put a sensor here. And, you know, a lot of people see IoT as just sensors. And there's a whole package around it that they need to understand. Otherwise, it can get tiring quickly. And we're going to be talking about that. Thank you very much. I'm going to circle back to Benjamin Robbins. You know what's coming next. This is part of our bigger series, longtime series, Coffee Break with Game Changers. So I'd love to know right now, what are you drinking or what are you thinking about drinking after the show, Benjamin? We are definitely uh, in a heat wave here in Seattle, which for most of the country, you guys would say, what on earth are you guys complaining about, right? I mean, it's, uh, you know, been in the, the high, eight, you know, mid to high 80s. But uh, for Seattle, that's like crazy hot. So water is definitely in my cup. You can stay hydrated, uh, water the plants, but water judiciously. But I do love that my grass is dead because I do not have to mow the lawn. <laughs> Thank you very much. Those of you who are home gardeners can appreciate that for sure. Maribel, where are you calling from and what are you drinking or what do you what would you rather be drinking? I'm calling from San Francisco. There are foghorns in the background. Um, it is not warm yet, but it will be. Uh, we, too, have ripped out our grass. Um, I think my husband didn't want to mow any more than you did, Benjamin. And within my cup, I have the very last sip of a double espresso from Illy that I've been holding on for you to ask me what was in my cup, and it will be gone momentarily. Ah, uh, double espresso, and that sounds like fun. Did you have it straight up, or did you put anything in it? Um, I just put, like, a dash of uh, almond milk in it to kind of make it a macchiato. Technically, when you put stuff in it, it's a macchiato, so... <laughs> There you go. Thanks for the technicality, and we're not going to get a headache about that one. Sounds delicious. Brian Katz, what are you drinking? Um, I actually have a Coke Zero with me at the moment, but I am in beautiful Montreal um, the day after Canada Day. So we went and saw the fireworks last night. But um, I'm looking there, but cider's on the menu here, and cider's big. So um, I'm actually looking forward to uh, a nice tall glass of cider later today. Very good. Thank you very much. It, wait a minute. Is that the cider that you would buy in a supermarket? Is that the, uh, no, the stuff the you need a license one. to You need a that's license you need to drink? A license that, for. Yeah, you need to have a driver's license for that one, and that might not even be enough in some states. Thank you very much. Conjures up good image of summertime and the 4th of July. Well, I'm here in New York on the North Shore of Long Island, and right this second, I can't be sure it'll be the same in 10 minutes, but right this second, blue skies and sunny, and I think it's going to go into the low 80s today, and that's just a perfect summer day for us. Hope we don't get any storms or whatever has been coming down the pike here. It's just unpredictable so far. Uh, and quick shout-out to everybody in the U.S., anybody who celebrates 4th of July. If you're an expat and you're somewhere around the world listening to us, have a good holiday and be safe. Keep those fireworks out of the pocket. What can I say? We're going to take a quick break right now. I'm going to go and come back with Benjamin Robbins at Palador, Maribel Lopez at Lopez Research, Brian Katz at VMware. We're going to be talking more about our topic of the day, the Internet of Things. When things don't live up to the hype, and we have a subtitle for that topic, when things don't do what we thunk, 
I like that one even better. Shout out to Ira Burke, who's one of the sponsors of this series. He's tweeting, you don't want Ira to be alone. So join him at hashtag SAP Radio. And his handle is Ira Burke, I-R-A-B-E-R-K. I'm Bonnie D. Graham, and I plan to be after we come back. So don't even think of touching that mouse, that app, that dial. Brad out. it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. The pace of innovation is moving faster than ever, and the future of business will be defined by how quickly business leaders adapt to accelerated ongoing change. Insights from totally new sources of data, sensors that capture and share what is happening in your business environment, and the tools to understand it and act on it. These are shaping the definition of future success. Join our experts as they analyze and discuss how business leaders can shape the future of change. Internet of Things with Game Changers is presented by SAP. Visit www.sap.com. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. listening to Internet of Things with Game Changers, presented by SAP. Email your comments and questions to bonnie.d.gram at sap.com. And you're invited to tweet during and after the live show at Twitter hashtag SAPRADIO. Now, let's get back to Internet of Things with Game Changers. We're back and we're talking about the IOT, that's shorthand for Internet of Things, when things don't live up to the hype. And things is our keyword, our capital word, our focus word. So if I emphasize things, there's a reason for it. Benjamin Robbins has graciously agreed to start the roundtable with me. And Benjamin, I'm looking at your notes. And here's an interesting topic we're going to start with. You say connected things will be the big rethink for business processes and will make mobile look like small potatoes. That's a very bold statement, Benjamin. Why don't you expand it for us, and then we'll bring in Maribel and Brian to join you. Go ahead. Well, luckily, I uh, ran in, I read an article yesterday in Business Insider that actually even backs this up. They said that um, Business Insider said that by 2019, um, just enterprise IoT alone will have more devices than mobile and tablet combined. So just a few sh- couple, couple short years off, and I think they said that would be 6 billion devices. So, um, you know, it's definitely, um, and, and then from there, it's just going to, you know, again, kind of uh, ex- exponentially uh, explode beyond that. So, and, and what I mean by, um, you know, big rethink, you know, when mobility first came into um, the enterprise, uh, it was a great opportunity to stop and say, you know, why are we doing this? What have we done? Because you couldn't just take your application that you had before, whether it was on web or, you know, uh, wind forms. Some forbid people still have some of those um, applications, but, you know, you couldn't just cram it into the, the mobile into the mobile device because it didn't work, right? Going, you know, just going, take, going small wasn't going mobile. And so businesses had to stop and rethink their processes and rethink how does this, how can we actually do this and make this work in this small device? Because there's so many great advantages of things we could do with being able to take, you know, devices out and about and use them. Well, now comes along the Internet of Things where you could really get very, very, very creative if you put the appropriate amount of time into it, where you could say, well, if I could put 
this thing plus this thing plus this thing plus this thing together. I mean, I could start, potentially start talking about eliminating certain jobs altogether. And I don't mean that in a bad way. I mean, maybe reappropriating people to do other tasks, right? I could start eliminating processes that we've been doing manually or processes that take so much time consuming. And so there really is this opportunity to look at what are we really trying to accomplish and how can we think about it in a new way and leverage a series of devices uh, together, put them together and to really come out with something new and better than we ever had, ever had before. So, Benjamin, is this, is this the role of the data scientist or of the developer or a partnership? Is this something that comes from everybody around the C-suite table, or is there somebody who's in charge of making this happen? Just a quick thought there. Well, I think that, you know, what's great about this is, is, is you know, the creativity really can come from anywhere. I mean, you could have someone mm-hmm. from the line of business say, hey, I was reading about, you know, this device, this device, and, you know, take it over to IT and say, hey, can, how can I put these two things together? Right, and then you can then you can bring in the data scientists. Then you can bring in um, people from IT, and really, and that's what I mean by a really big rethink. It isn't just one person. I mean, the ideas and the sparks can come from lots of places because it is going to be lots of bits of information that need to come together. So you need to bring data together. You need to bring hardware together. You need to bring IT services together. And by doing this and rethinking, people who figure out new and creative ways to put um, a series of things together. Will will be in a position to leapfrog ahead of of competition. Thank you, Maribel Lopez. A lot of thoughts out here. Why don't you talk to us? Yeah. Okay. So I think um, Benjamin and I know that Brian feels the same way about this as well. Um, they're onto something. So here's the big challenge. Um, there's there's. I guess when I look at it, I see that this rethinking of processes has been very hard in the mobile domain. Most of what people have tried to do in the past couple years in mobile have just been recreate things that we already have and make them work on a smaller screen. And they haven't gone through a process of saying, okay, what would location data do for um, these services? Some have, but, you know, a lot haven't. Uh, what other new types of data could we put in, which is the connected devices data, right? So the, the issues that the companies are struggling with is that rethinking is hard, Right when you're, it's moving into a new domain. It's you know freeing your mind and saying, okay, we've got new data. What will we do with new data? That connection across IT and business units is also hard. So um, I think Steve Jobs once said that you know people didn't know what they wanted. You had to show it to them, and this is kind of very similar in a lot of ways. People don't know what they want to build, and startups maybe show them a little piece of that here and a little piece mm-hmm. of that there, and they need to take the thinking to the next level. And that new data um, can create new experiences. So I think just rather than just making it efficient of doing things you didn't do before, none of our processes were necessarily designed to take into account uh, temperature or uh, movement or, you know, all the kinds of contextual things that IoT can provide. So you're going to connect a lot of things. They all add different pieces of data. And somebody has to figure out, how those different pieces of data would create a new and better business experience or a new and better consumer experience. So I think those are really hard issues to tackle. You know, the art of the possible is what I think a lot of people call this. What's the art of the possible in IoT? Mm-hmm. So it's not just that I've got a piece of data. Data is unique not only, if you don't do something with it. And not only do they not know what to build, they don't even know where to look to begin to start to know what they could build, right? I mean, there's just so many possibilities. Where do you even, like... How do I even find out about 
a thing or device or, you know, where do you go to get information on your vertical or your industry or whatever. I mean, there's, there's all kinds of hurdles to initially get over to get started to get going. Hence the fatigue and the frustration. Brian Katz, join us. Thoughts? Well, you know, it's interesting because, you know, I love listening to Maribel and, you know, uh, Ben's uh, push just now because, you know, you think about it, people are still stuck in the old processes. And, you know, Maribel said it quite well. You have to, you know, to Maribel and Ben, you have to rethink what you're doing and how you're doing it and understand that there are pieces out there that can affect you. Um, you know, I, I do a um, presentation where I talk about, you know, use cases and the like, and if you start looking at what happens, um, you know, Coca-Cola has something called a, um, a freescale machine, um, a freestyle machine, where you can dispense what flavor of um, Coke that you'd like. And imagine if you instrument that, and you can tell on a hot day people are drinking more Gatorade than uh, Coca-Cola, or that you're in a certain region and they like vanilla cherry Coke Zero versus just Coke Zero. You know, there's stuff you can do with that data with what you bottle and what you put in stores and 7-Elevens and what you refrigerate, and it can change the way you sell and can actually make you much more profitable because you begin to know your customer. And, you know, it's the same thing of, again, you have to reimagine your process. And that's not an easy thing to do because a lot of people are, it works the way it works now. We're actually getting business done. And yet when you start taking the fact that people are mobile, um, phones are instruments too. Phones are actually IoT sensors if you want to use them that way. And then you add sensors on devices to see, as Marilyn said, temperature. Um, you know, you can do a count, see how far ahead of you are, how far behind you are. Um, that's data that you didn't have before. And you can use that to move yourself ahead. Thank you very much. Benjamin, I want you to chime in on this before I move to another topic with Maribel, since this was your opening. What do you say? Yeah, you know, I, I, I think, you know, maybe to, to sum up, uh, you know, kind of maybe what all three of us are saying is uh, if, you, if you want to take IoT seriously in the enterprise, you really have to assign resources uh, to work on and, and help um, do the solutioning. I mean, you're, you're not going to get there just by uh, hoping that it just um, happens without doing anything. Because uh, as Brian was mentioning, I think people are, you know, most people, you know, they come in, they do their job, and, they, and uh, you know, they just want to check the box and go home to their family. So um, if, you're, if you're serious about IoT if they're, and you want to do this, this rethink, which it, it's an awesome opportunity to do, you need to apply the time and the resources uh, to create the space to come up with the solutions and the, and the new ideas. Thank you all. Let's move to a slightly different topic. I brought up the word context in the opening. And Maribel, this is included in your discussion notes. I'm just going to read a line or two here, and I'd love to have some practical examples so everybody can understand. You say things are smarter when they can communicate with different things to gain more context, e.g., that is, cars have lots of sensors that can communicate with the system. So in your home devices, your garage can tell your lights and thermostats that you are gone. You left the house. Shut down. Make the house cooler. And there are a lot of, a lot of other examples. So just give me a couple more examples people can grab onto, and then let's talk about the business context, context in the business context. Maribel? Uh, yeah, sure. Um, so when we look at this, I think at Internet of Things, everybody is connecting a discrete thing. So um, somebody builds a connected thermostat, somebody builds a connected camera, somebody builds a connected weight scale. And 
it really puts a lot of onus on the end user to figure out how to coordinate all those things so that they're meaningful. And is the thermostat in of itself a really interesting thing? Do I need to know it's 80 degrees, uh, you know, uh, every day uh, pinging me? Um, probably not. But, you know, if it's uh, 45 degrees and my heat isn't on and my pipes might burst, then I might need to know that, right? But where it starts to get really interesting, I think if you if you look at a business example, there's lots of opportunities for businesses to connect multiple things. Uh, plant manufacturing is a great example of this. You've got vibration, temperature, humidity. All these things can come together and tell a system whether or not they need to slow down production, uh, shut down production, call a maintenance man. Uh, there's a lot of, and this this is the concept of multiple things coming together to say, oh, there's a problem. Not just that a number is different, but some interpretation of what that number means and how it might affect other things in the context of a system, right? So that that's what I think is interesting and powerful about the Internet of Things. One connected thing alone, pinging you with one piece of information is not that interesting. Several connected things talking to each other and deciding that, Oh, that's a problem. Very interesting. And Maribel, and I, I and believe. Maribel, one, oh. Go ahead, go ahead, Benjamin. Please. Well, I was just yep. going to say the interesting variable variable in that Maribel is is time, right? It's that, that you watching that data. You know, that data, that snapshot over time uh, is is where it gets interesting. Not that not that one thing in time, or not that one data point in time, but the patterns and things you see across time is when it becomes interesting. And I just wanted to read one more note from Maribel to add on to this. You say many people jump into IoT for IoT's sake without a predefined goal, without metrics, and that is doom and gloom. It's a project that will fail. So there's a, there's a good message from Maribel. Brian Katz, thoughts on what Maribel added about context? Well, sure. I, I'm actually going to start with the quote you just read because, you know, okay. Maribel, Ben, and I have been talking about that forever, and it's the same thing with mobile. We, I mean, the three of us can count. We don't have enough fingers and toes between all of us to count the number of companies that have rolled out mobile projects and handed out phones and then said, okay, where's the productivity? Mm-hmm. And this, the same thing's happening with IoT. Great. I put, I, put my, I put sensors on my machines or I gave people wearables or I did something else and I plugged them into the Internet. Okay, now what? And it's not just putting sensors on stuff. It's not just collecting the data. It's learning to ask the right questions and how to parse that data that actually makes it worthwhile for you. Um, Maribel is completely right that, you know, a, a single piece of data doesn't mean anything. It's only when you put it into context with all the data around it. So, you know, she meant, you know, I think I mentioned in one of my points, you know, but Maribel mentioned the thermostat. You know, I have four different, I have four Nest thermostats in my house because I have four zones. And... Yes, they learn when I'm in the house. They have a sensor that can detect when I'm away and everything else. But what if we could make it smarter? What if, for example, it could read my calendar and knew when I was going on vacation? And what if it knew, for example, what my budget was? So maybe I make it, you know, maybe I cheat a degree because it costs less money. And what if I know, for example, oh, there's a party on the calendar for there? You know, there are all these different pieces. And when I can look at the weather and all these things, it becomes much more intelligent because it has a system of data and it learns over time. And it's only when we have that context of what's going on. It doesn't matter if it's 100 degrees. And, you know, I was in Seattle um, this weekend, um, not far from Ben, and, yes, it was 95 degrees out. Did it matter so much? Because 
it wasn't actually very humid. We didn't necessarily need as much air conditioning, and yet it's a data point. It's not temperature alone. It's all the pieces around it. Good points. Benjamin, chime back in here. Thoughts? Um, uh, I think um, it's, again, kind of going back to the resources and and getting to that contextual and asking the right questions, as Brian was saying, that, um, you know, I think a good question to ask yourself is, is, do I have someone in my organization that can help answer the question of, you know, that Brian, I think, really put really well is, I'm connected, now what? Right? Who is going to answer that question? Who's going to answer that question for you? I think that's um, uh, a really kind of uh, practical, hands-on, rubber meets the road kind of question that uh, you know doesn't always doesn't always have an answer, but would would be hugely beneficial to have. Thank you. I want to move into a very provocative statement from Brian Katz. I think we talked about this a little bit in the opening. Brian, it was your first note. I'm going to go there. Sounds a little funny to say it, but I'd, I'd like to go a little deeper talking about context and systems. You say wearables are just a pimple on the face of IoT. And I'm going, oh, oh, please, please. And then you explain while everyone is talking about wearables and their ability to give people health information and all in the context of work, wearables, let me let me rephrase that, and in the context of work, wearables are a system to figure out where people are or to let them know something. And then you add IoT is about making decisions based on data. Why don't you unravel that for us in context and, and let's talk about wearables. Interesting topic. Everybody loves to talk about them. Sure. If you, know, if you look at today's wearables, you, know, you have the Apple Watch, you have the Fitbit, you have all these things that are focused around Fitbit or focused around fitness and for the consumer. And businesses have started to take advantage of that solely through their health programs where, although they can't see the data, if you're actually, you know, getting a certain amount of exercise per day, they'll lower your premiums. But how does that necessarily help you when you're at work? So, okay, you're walking around, your business can't touch that data. They don't know where you are. They may know what building you're in because you have a badge and all. But how does that help them if a problem occurs or if they want to be more efficient? And there are a couple of companies out there. So there's one company, and um, I apologize, I forget the name at the moment, that makes a badge that you wear around your neck that listens to everything you say. And it's not actually focusing on the words itself. It's focusing on your tone, whether you're leaning forward, whether you're leaning back. And what they've done is they've done tests with teams where they can actually see when people are more productive, when people are listening, when people aren't listening. And you can look at that data without looking at what people were actually talking about and use that to improve your teams. But it's the same thing of, you know, one of the um, slides I show in one of my presentations is, for example, somebody wearing an Apple Watch and wearing a Microsoft HoloLens. You walk mm-hmm. into a building that's got a lot of machines in it. You know, I, for example, I used to work at Sanofi, a pharmaceutical and, you know, if you looked at where we manufactured our pharmaceuticals, you know, they were rooms full of machines. But what if there's a problem on one? Someone would walk over the machine, you know, they get, you know, someone would call them up, they come to the building, they walk over the machine, realize they didn't have the right tools, they'd have to walk back, then they come back again, realize they didn't have the manual, and, you know, it would be four or five trips to get everything they need to do to solve a problem. But what if you equipped them with the right thing and said, oh, this technician's walking by the building right now. Let's give them the warning. They walk into the room with all the machines. They're wearing the HoloLens. They see which machine through the HoloLens is, you know, glows in bright red, bright yellow. There's a sign over it. They walk over to it. 
they already have the right tools because they know which machine it is, so they picked them up along the way. When they get there, they can actually open the manual on their HoloLens. Uh, they could do the same, you know, they could do something similar with Google Glass or the like. And they can actually walk around and get this thing fixed three, four, five times as fast. It's how we take the, you know, wearables themselves aren't the big deal. It's all the other sensors and all the other pieces that really, you know, match up. You know, as uh, I think it was Ben earlier was talking about the number of devices in the world. If there are six billion people in the world and each one has one device, that's still only six billion devices plus a phone, so let's say 12 billion. And yet, when you look at a business that may put sensors on everything they own, you're talking 30, 40, 50 billion pieces of IoT. Mm-hmm. And so it becomes a very different scale um, problem and actually a very different scale solution. Brian, I'm looking at an article in the NewYorker.com from June 3rd, 2014, so just a little over a year ago, and it's talking about a book by a book called Social Physics by Alex Pentland, a prominent computer scientist at MIT, and they talk about, um, let's see, how to capture in numerical form the intimate social vibrations of office life, and they did put a badge on people in a call center. And they talked about the quality of social interaction measured independently of verbal content. So they weren't measuring the words. They weren't, weren't talking about the words, the sociometric badges. Is that what you were referencing yes, a moment ago? that's actually exactly what I was referencing. That's it, yes. Pentland's theory is that in person, people use all sorts of nonverbal or metaverbal cues, looking, interrupting, turn-taking, vocal tone, and so on, to establish hierarchies, come to decisions, and generally get in sync. And he calls these unconscious actions honest signals, because they're hard to fake, and they reveal the unfakeable, strong emotions, personal affinities, power relations. So if anybody wants to go, it's newyorker.com, and just look up Alex Pentland. The article is Big Data Comes to the Office by Joshua Rothman. I hope that was helpful, Brian. I love to do lookups on, I wouldn't even call it trivia. This is very germane to our conversation. Benjamin Robbins, any thought on this part of, we're talking about wearables and communications and all kinds of good stuff. Yeah, no, I think Brian's, uh, you know, kind of spot on when he says, uh, you know, uh, wearables are the pimple, the face of IoT. Uh, but like a pimple, uh, you know, it stands out, right? You know, you, you're very kind of self-conscious mm-hmm. of it. You're walking around. you got that zit on your face. Uh, it's definitely noticeable. And here's where I think it's noticeable. It is the, uh, wearables are, will be the, the touch point um, into that into that plethora of devices, that, that universe of devices, and getting that user experience right um, really matters because I think that's really is what's going to drive the excitement and the, the success of IoT. So, so um, while wearables, I think, represents a really small segment of the market, I think getting wearables right um, uh, makes a huge difference. If you can get a couch potato off their butt and out running and, and excited and engaged and doing things with the world, if you can get um, better productivity out of your employees, if you can get, you know, all because of things that are they're connected and, and on them and, and, and right there, I, I, think that, uh, I think that we'll win in the end. Thank you. Maribel, thoughts on all of this? Yeah, I want to I circle two concepts together here. So one, we were previously talking about um, my quote where I said, you need to know what you're trying to accomplish. And I think if you want to have wearables in the enterprise, that is definitely 
a real thing that you need to think about. Are you going to build an IoT project that is supposed to help you uh, save money? Is it supposed to help you drive revenue, make your employees more efficient? Is it supposed to provide a totally different experience, right? You need to know kind of at the outset what type of experience you're trying to provide and what that metric is, the, re- the result of that. Uh, and I think a lot of people skip that. I think a lot of people do IoT trials for cool sake, and particularly in wearables. It's like, oh, we've got a wearable. Let's do a wearable trial and give it to our employees and see what happens. It's like, well, what are they going to do with it? And how is it going to make their life better? And is it even the right wearable, right? So we had a lot of people wearing Google Glass for a while, and that was kind of fun and exciting and cool. And, you know, the Virgin America uh, person was uh, checking to see if your flight was on time and telling the super premium person, oh, no, your flight's over here or your flight's over there. Well, that was good, but that didn't revolutionize customer service, right? Meanwhile, if you are somebody that is a warehouse picker and that glass is navigating you to where the products are and allowing you to do hands-free scanning so that you can actually pick up a box with two hands instead of one, that's actually valuable. And I think this is what's missing with what we're doing in IoT. We're doing a lot of like, oh, let's do an IoT project because that's cool. Interesting. Benjamin? Brian, any comments on the the word cool introduced by Maribel? I know somebody else had that in their notes about uh, don't just just don't tell me what's cool, tell me what it's doing for me. Benjamin, I think it was you. Any thoughts on cool? Yes, I don't want to hear about your cool things you wrote. Yeah, um uh I you know, definitely um uh I think having things just for the sake of having things um always drives me crazy. You know, we even in our own company, I, I can't stand when we have to build, you know, build technology for technology's sake. So I, I think uh I was actually I'm just typing up Maribel's quote, you know, what is what is mm-hmm. what is it that you're actually doing? What is what why does it matter and why and why and why should I care? I don't I don't want to hear just that it's cool and I gotta have it just because everybody else has it. If you don't have a if you don't have a reason to have it, it's just uh you know, it's just kitsch and doesn't really do anything. Unless it just gives you bragging rights. Brian, Ka- yeah. go ahead, Maribel. I hear you. Go ahead, go ahead, Maribel. I, I, I was going to say, um, I think all of us on the phone, uh, all the three panelists have tried the Apple Watch. And what's really interesting about the Apple Watch is the number of times people come up to you and ask you, is it worth it? Because they literally expect they're going to buy this watch and it's going to change their world, right? <laughs> and this is the thing about IoT. They think that one single device is going to come in and rock your world. And the reality is is that that device can make a lot of other things better and more convenient. And that is a really hard sell, and it's very subtle, and it's interesting that it's interesting for people that build apps and experiences to try to figure out, what do I put on a watch versus a tablet versus a smartphone versus a PC? Mm-hmm. Like, what's meaningful on a watch? What kind of notifications? You know, is it, um, is it that your wrist buzzes when you're supposed to make the turn when you're driving in your car? That's pretty cool, right? Maribel, what's the answer? The what's the answer? Is it worth it? Um, <laughs> I think <laughs> the, the short answer for me, yes, but, you know, it took me a month to get there because it's a lot of little things that add up to make it a real critical convenience item. But my original reaction was, well, this didn't change my world. And, you know, ah. I'm somebody that does this for a living, right? That's so right. you think I would have known better. Right, yeah, right we, time experiences. We got the word time and right time, and you've got a watch for time, but not for only time. Benjamin, your watch, do you, is it worth it, your Apple Watch? 
I, I've, I've, you know, what I explain to people is there's been a lot of kind of pleasant um, surprises over, and I, I agree with Maribel, over, like, say, the first month of using it, where I was like, oh, it just did something I wasn't expecting it to do. But again, I always, you know, when people say, you know, I, I, get, I literally get the same question, should I buy one? Um, you know, I, I get into, you know, well, what's your expectation? The first, I usually throw back a question, question back at them. I say, what's your expectations of this? of the watch, you know, I don't say of this device, I don't abstract it that much, but, you know, what's your expectations mm-hmm. that it's going to do? If you think it's going to print money and fly, then, you know, forget it. You're going to hate it and you're going to be <laughs> sorely disappointed. But if you want to extend your digital experience in, in, and engage with data in new and different ways, then, then I think that you'll have some pleasant surprises and uh, it'll, it'll be okay for you. And, and but Brian by the way, Kat- it definitely is, yeah, definitely is 1.0 tech. Okay, and Brian Katz, yeah. we need to find out whether your watch is worth it. We got to get a full poll here. What do you think? I'm still wearing mine. Um, you know, it's interesting because <laughs> you know I started with an Android Wear watch. I guess that's watch. something. <laughs> that's something. An- yeah, that was the punchline. An- yeah, yeah considering the number of wear- wearables you have. Yeah. Well, I have a lot of wearables, but uh, you know, I've actually gotten rid of a bunch of them. Um, the Apple Watch. What you do with them? Well, some of them went in a drawer, some of them were given away. Um, but, you know, I had an Android Wear, I've, had, I've worn a Pebble, and of the watch tech, certainly this has been the best for me, but it, it certainly wasn't day one. And, I, you know, I, I think that part of what it's done for me is changed my habits. Um, you know, I started out doing operations many years ago, so I've always had a phone by me. And there are times that I don't know where my phone is, especially at home. You know, it's, I've left it upstairs, and I'm downstairs, and for me to walk mm-hmm. away without a phone in my pocket or something else really does change how things, you know, work. You know, there are other times that I'm walking around, and, you know, my phone would buzz or something else, and I'd stop, I'd take it out, and, you know, I think this goes to what Maribel said, a new way of consuming information. Apple calls it glanceable. Call it whatever you want. Quick notifications. It doesn't matter. But it certainly makes a difference with, how often I'm looking at my phone and how often I'm using it, um, certain, you know, and during certain times, what makes a difference? Thank you very much. I, my son, uh, my family are in for the holiday, and we were having a, a lovely sushi dinner last night, and my two granddaughters said, look, Dad's wearing an Apple Watch. So I turned to my son who was sitting next to me. I said, what do you think? And he was he just got it. So like all of you, he's just going through this ramp up of what do I really want it to do? How is it important to me? He showed me it, it basically did some Fitbit types of things, told him his heart rate, and then we checked the arrival times at certain airports, and we looked at the temperature in three places and blah, blah, blah. So he, he said it's going to take take a while. So I agree with you. I'm going to wait. I'm just going to wait. Uh, I have a question for Maribel Lopez. We're almost ready to go into the predictions round, but something here in your notes caught my attention and I don't want to end the show without it. Maribel, you say there is not an IOT market. There are many markets, many use cases. An example is IOT for digital health is a different market than IOT for farming. They each have a separate ecosystem. So where does this concept of an IOT market come from? Do you think this is a misnomer? people are are throwing around or is it just uh, something on paper so when i think when you start in any market and in fact you know iot is not new we started with machine to machine and this is an evolution of it and machine to machine was a lot about connecting machines and i think we went into iot as a market as a concept of people always talk about how many devices we're connecting right billions and billions and billions of devices and that to them is the iot market but that is just 
a bunch of devices having a wired or wireless connection to them, right? It doesn't, it's just connected. That gets back to it's not smart. The IoT market is really, in my opinion, the move to it being smarter. And that move to it being smarter is all about industry and use case. So, yes, you have, you might have a Fitbit and it can connect to your phone and it can tell your phone how many steps that you made. And that's great. And that's one piece of data. But, you know, is that, um, you know, is that the same thing that if you're John Deere and you've got a tractor and the tractor is going to give you different information, right? And different systems will use that information. So this is what I'm getting at with the concept of, you know, IoT isn't one market. Because if you try to go into healthcare, they have a certain set of concerns around security and privacy and what type of data would be meaningful versus if you try to go into a general business. I guess the easiest way to think about this is to try to find one IoT thing that every company and that every consumer can use. And the only thing I could think of was an energy management solution. Yeah, you know, Other than I, I that, there's nothing that's universal. Yeah, mm, I couldn't agree ahead. with Maribel more because, you know, it is all about the use cases. And IoT in itself is not a device, and I think that's what a lot of people get wrong. Um, you know, one of the graphics that I put together is IoT is the, you know, cross-section of sensors, connectivity, big data, and APIs. And it's only when you bring those four things together and you start looking at all, and, and by the way, sensors is plural. It's not a single sensor. Mm-hmm. When you start collecting that data and you, you know, yes, of course you need connectivity, but now you start collecting that big data, you start analyzing that data to figure out what's there, and then you have APIs that allow, you know, again, it allows you to get your data in context and make decisions. And it's only when you can take that data and make decisions based on it and act that you truly have an IoT solution. Thank you. Guess what? It's time for our crystal ball predictions round. I saved... Uh, sounds like somebody's sipping something very delicious in the background with a very noisy straw. I, I say 45 seconds for each of you, so we're really in the lightning round as well as the crystal ball predictions. Benjamin Robbins, you know how it goes. Let's fast forward to, I like 2020. Anytime you see in the future for when things don't live up to the hype, will they at some point in time in the world of IoT? Benjamin Robbins, predictions, 45 seconds, go. Good. I'm glad you started with me because I'm going to start on a negative note. I'm going to use the word disillusionment. Hopefully, uh, uh, Brian and Maribel will uh, make it happier. But um, I think we're going to go through a, a, a long trough of disillusionment where people are frustrated that devices aren't doing what they want them to do. They're putting too much expectation on a single um, use case or a single instance or a single device. And then it's not until people start to figure out, oh, hey, wait, I need to piece some of these things together. Will uh, we reach kind of the, the happy land? Okay, that's interesting. Uh, let's go to Maribel Lopez. You want to want to uptick this one, or you want to stay on that same note? Oh, I'm going to do a little bit of both, just to uh, just to try to round it out. I agree with with Benjamin. I think there'll be a lot of disillusionment. I think we're going to have some minority report style services in 2020, and I think people are going to be absolutely freaked by it because there'll be a ton of information, and people will not manage their information appropriately. And then services will know a lot about you and can do a lot for you, and there'll be some backlash to that. But the good news is we'll have a certain amount of machine learning that's happened, a certain amount of connected devices, a certain amount of people actually figuring out um, what might be interesting in that. So I, I think we'll be better overall, 
but I think there's going to be a lot of challenges with IoT. Thank you very much. Words to the wise. And Brian Katz, I saved, ooh, about 45. I can almost give you a minute because they were so concise. One minute wow. quick. Go ahead. I know. Wow. You, you lucky person. Go ahead. You know, I, ha- I have to agree with both of them. You know, it, certainly there's going to be some disillusionment. I think that we're certainly going to see a coming privacy debate slash debacle coming um, as all this data is out there and um, people know more about you and you haven't given them permission to know more about you and what they do with it. On the other hand, I think people, it's going to become commonplace. As Maribel said, we're going to see some of that minority report style um, screens. It's going to detect your iris or your bio, you know, your biometrics. And we're going to see people are going to become much more comfortable with that. But we're also going to see companies just completely change how they do things because they have data and the ability to act on it that they didn't have before. And between mobility and IoT acting together, we're going to see some companies take real advantage of it and really soar in the next couple of years. Okay, thank I you very totally much. I agree with that. And I have a prediction of my own is that if you give people badges at work, like in, in uh, social physics, Alec Pentland's book, the New Yorker article that I did post at hashtag SAP radio, and they become aware of it, people are going to start taking acting lessons and learn how to hide those microbursts of real emotion in the workplace because they won't want you to know and it'll be a privacy issue. Just my take. I'm Bonnie D. Graham. We've been talking about the Internet of Things when things don't live up to the hype. Talking to very smart panel, Benjamin Robbins at Palador. Thank you, Benjamin. Delighted to have you back on the show. Maribel Lopez, don't stay away so long in the future. We'd love to have you back. We have, Maribel, we have 11 different series. We'll find a spot for you on, on any one of them if you'd love to come back. And Brian Katz at VMware. Thank you, Brian. Always delightful to have you on. Shout outs to Ira Burke, who organized this panel. Also, his team colleagues, David Yonker and Mihira Kalim, are also involved with this series, Internet of Things with Game Changers. And a quick shout out if you're drinking a fifth on the fourth i want to say something clever but slow down by a third or a half and be careful that's all i can say have a great holiday weekend everyone signing off here's my call to action a very important one fasten your seatbelt. yes what are you waiting for go out and be a game changer today thanks to brad and the business channel team bye bye Thanks again for tuning in to Internet of Things with Game Changers, presented by SAP. The best-run businesses run SAP. To keep the conversation going, tweet your questions and comments to Twitter, hashtag SAPRADIO. Please join host Bonnie D. Graham again on Thursdays at 7 a.m. Pacific Time, 10 a.m. Eastern Time on the Business Channel. We wish you a positively game-changing week.